Hello, and welcome back to the User Flows Podcast. My name is Thomas Morell, and this is a show where we talk about UX design and careers. I get to interview designers who I admire about their journey into the field and how they've ultimately been successful in their roles. And we'll break all that down so that we can all learn together. So today, I am joined by Mariam El-Sharif, who I got to work with very briefly, but she definitely left a lasting impression, and I'm really happy to connect with her again today, and I will let her introduce herself. Enjoy the show, everyone. Now, before we get started, I really just want to say thank you to everyone who's been listening. Uh, We're just about to pass a thousand downloads. Obviously, that's not a huge number, but it is very exciting for me and it means a whole lot. I am putting up a survey. If you have a moment, I would love if you would go visit my website at thomasmorell.com slash survey and just let me know know, who you are, um, what you're getting out of the show, what you would like to see more of in the show and how else I could help you. It should only take a few minutes of your time, but it would be highly appreciated. And without further ado, here's Miriam. Thanks. So if you could please tell us a bit about yourself. Absolutely. So how I got into UX field is kind of a funny story. I, I came from many interests. So in undergrad, I tried marketing, graphic design. Um, I switched to computer science, a little bit of business. And so I had many interests towards that kind of field. Um, And so as a senior, um, I was in computer science, not wanting to be a software engineer. I truly despise coding. Um, And at the end, I was like, okay, it's not too late to kind of look for a field that I would like to kind of be passionate about and every day, work every day in a field that I'm passionate about. And that's where I discovered UX. I started first teaching myself um, through articles and free workshops. And then I, I decided to take the step to join an official boot camp. Um, definitely after finishing undergrad in a, in a different field and just like switching into a boot camp. Um, looking back at it, it's definitely the best decision I've ever did for myself. Okay, fantastic. That's how I got into UX. Oh, very interesting. That's um, that's pretty brave. Senior year, deciding to go a whole completely different route. That's um. How did, how did the parents take it? <laughs> oh, definitely. They were like, thought I was indecisive. Um, go, I'm ruining my own career. Uh, I definitely got a lot of pushback from it, even my friends. Um, but I trusted my guts. I, I always knew that I wanted to work in something that I'm very passionate about. And I knew that the way to grow is to work in something that you're passionate about. I know that not many people are lucky to do so. I'm very lucky to be able to actually be in that career and to do what I love every single day. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. And it takes a lot of guts to just say, like, I know this isn't the right thing for me. So I'm going to try something completely different. So I definitely, um, you know, much props to you for that. That's a, that takes a lot more guts than most, you know, 20 year olds in college would do. So that's really exciting. Um, And I'm glad you brought up General Assembly. I like to um, ask people about that, because it seems like most of the people I've worked with, and most of the people I've interviewed on this show went to one of the boot camps. Um, and General Assembly is obviously one of the biggest ones. So could you kind of tell us a bit about what that experience was like and how that worked out for you? Yeah, absolutely. So actually in senior year, when I decided I wanted to do the switch, I wasn't sure that I wanted to do this full on commitment of immersive course to pay that money, to pay that time into General Assembly. And so I took their part-time courses in UX. And I remember that time, it was like, I really have less price. It was a more manageable price. And I started taking a little bit and di- deep dive into a little bit of UX fundamentals. It wasn't everything that you need to know about UX, but it was UX fundamentals. 
And it was very good for me to just take that step into going to the immersive boot camp. Immersive boot camp was very intense. It was like from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. You're doing nothing but collaborating, talking to developers, you know, learning about UX. And people, a lot of people kind of quit usually um, after yeah. the first two weeks. So if you complete after two weeks, that means you're in it for, for the long run. Um, and I think it was way better because I want, I was so torn whether to do a master's in UX or to actually do a bootcamp. Um, but then I did my own benchmark research on LinkedIn and saw people who went to that bootcamp. Um, their job outcome was much higher and faster than those who went to master's who got a master's degree. I'm not saying that master's degree don't get you there, but it's just a longer route. And it's not really unnecessary. UX is mostly about experiences and the industry experience you gain rather yeah. than you know the education you're getting right and on. that's why Abs i decided to yeah. go to the boot camp well, that's fantastic and i love hearing that and for the most part i've seen everybody that's gone through these boot camps have a good amount of success and i love that um i came across you, you come across the post all the time on like linkedin or instagram or other places where you follow kind of the design community and I always hear that question, like, you know, are design boot camps worth it? Are they, you know, garbage? Are they, you know, phenomenal? Um, there's, you know, both sides of the story on either side. And I came across one and there was a lot of really negative comments about them. And I was kind of surprised because personally, I don't see much of a difference between the designers coming out of, you know, design boot camps like General Assembly and uh, Springboard and those versus those who are coming out of, you know, universities, either masters or otherwise. So I'm really happy that you had a great experience with it. And um, that's awesome. Um, so do you feel like studying computer science kind of prepared you more so than maybe some of your peers kind of making that transition from technology to, well, the design of technology? Well, to be frankly honest, you, you can't only depend on general assembly even mm -hmm. if you come from a completely different field, like if you come from, you know, psychology, if you come as from a doctor field um, and you want to do this transition, you got to put all of your effort into it. You can't just depend that the learning from general assemblies, that's it. That's how I'm going to get the job. You got to also invest in learning in yourself, self-learning, networking, you know, growing your network, uh, learning more outside of just like, you know, the eight to eight. Um, mm -hmm. And I feel with me because of my computer science, there's definitely were employers who are very biased. Um, in terms of like, oh, she has a tech background. That means that she's going to communicate with developers more efficiently than someone who's from a psychology background. Even though the, this is not always the case, uh, maybe a psychology background has just learned how to effectively communicate with developers, but they never got the chance or the employer um, had bias towards them. That's, that's what's kind of the most tough part about, you know, hunting a job in tech. There's always going to be bias about you and you got to prove them wrong uh, from the beginning. And I actually used that to my benefit. Uh, it wasn't maybe true. I, ne I never liked coding and I never wanted to do coding. So I never wanted to market myself as someone who can code and design because I just never liked it. Um, however, a lot of employers just saw that as a, as a, as a perk in terms of collaboration. And I let them, to be honest, it's, it's uh, as they say, fake it till you make it. Yeah. It definitely it definitely helps in terms <laughs> in terms of you know communicate with developers. I definitely took their vocabulary at school, but mm -hmm. I'm no way in sense can call myself a developer. Um, but it definitely did help uh, towards employer biases. Oh, that's fantastic! And so now that you have some experience under your belt, obviously, do you think you'll <clears throat> just remove that from your resume eventually, 
or we kind of keep that in there just in case it does kind of give you that leg up. I feel like with this day and age, especially if you work in tech, it's always evolving. Um, and now what's really hot and trendy is AI, which AI requires a little bit of artificial understanding of machine learning and computer. And so I feel like I should go back into that, just you know, touch upon the surface, get a basic understanding, what I need to know as a designer, um, and you know, what a developer needs to know in terms of design collaboration. And that's where, where an area I can grow in. I'm not mm -hmm. necessarily going to take a developer route or a UX developer route, but definitely just to educate myself on that matter and stay up with the trends. Uh, and that's fantastic. That's great that you're even thinking about that. There's yeah, so many new emerging technologies and keeping up with them can be difficult. So spending some time doing that will only make you a bit more wiser and you know, spread out your knowledge. So you've, I remember when I interviewed you, you had a lot of those kind of like either hackathon projects in your portfolio or you did some other kind of workshop and stuff. And I love that. Um, what got you doing that? Was that just to try to build out the experience that, you know, outside of general assembly? Yep. And I also wanted to know what it's like working under pressure. Hackathons, usually you need to like deliver in such short amount of time. And if you work for tech and generally in startups, that's what you usually do every single day. And so that's why I tried to um, contribute in hackathons as much as I can, because I wanted to show the um, potential employers that I'm really good at working under pressure and working with um, collaboration. And I can um, deliver a deadline, even though if the design process is not pretty and, and, and steady, you know, and linear as it should be. Uh, not every employer saw it as like that. But for me, it was a learning opportunity to know sometimes things don't get don't get done just as they are in the books. You just need to yeah. improvise and compromise to make all the product, you know, come to shipment or come to um, to deliver uh, date, you know, and just showing that I think helped me a lot. Um, it, it gave me a sense of assertiveness in, in, in a sense. When I was talking about my project, I felt very assertive and confident in speaking about them just because I went through this kind of uh you know, challenges and compromises I had to go through. I, it, it wasn't the same as company. Like I did not have successful outcomes, you know, where like, oh, I changed this by X, Y, Z, and this caused the business to increase revenue by X, Y, Z. But in a sense, it was like a mini version of that. Oh, that's fantastic. And I do remember that interview very well. Um, I think I was supposed to interview with you with somebody else and they couldn't show. So it was just me and you. And I always worry about that because I was like, oh, should I, you know, pass this person up to the next round and then get yelled at for, you know, passing along the wrong person. But you were absolutely the right person. Um, it was one of the best because at that time, I think I was interviewing one or two people a day. <laughs> and so you stood out. I was like, oh, this person's perfect. I'm sending her right through. And so what kind of when you were going through the whole interviewing process, what kind of preparation did you do or put together for those? Yeah, absolutely. That's a good question. So I always keep a notebook with all the common questions and um, for interviews. For I, I use like articles like TopTal, uh, Medium articles, you know, UX collective articles about interviewing, even sometimes YouTube videos. And like I have a small notebook like this and I just put all kind of the information for interviews on it. And on the day of the interview, I kind of review them. I go through them. Um, I used to actually, before interviewing, record myself um, while interviewing with someone. And it would be only used for my own purposes. It was like doing user research on myself. So 
I would give myself pointers and feedbacks of what I did wrong and what went well. Because one thing I hate about, you know, in the interviewing process is that you never get feedback. You know, even though the product design process Mm -hmm. is all about feedback, it's still not given to product designers when they're interviewed. So I could be making the same mistakes with every potential employer and not knowing what I'm doing wrong. And so I feel like that have helped improve my interviewing process uh, very drastically. That's really cool. That's, um, that's such a good idea. And that's actually a tip I got because I was always you know, nervous when I had to present and do those things, especially like in front of a big crowd. And one of the tips I got was, you know, record yourself doing it like over and over and over again and watch it until you kind of get numb <laughs> to it. and you just kind of get a little bit more at ease and more at ease. Cause if you wait until, you know, the day of to try it for the first time, it's going to be nerve wracking. So that's a really great piece of advice. I love that. Um, and speaking of learning how to think on your toes from <laughs> the hackathons, I remember uh, during the interview, we had some kind of problem with Microsoft Teams and you couldn't share anything with me. And so you figured out a way to, I think you had some of your portfolio put together in a keynote mm-hmm. and you were able to share the keynote with me uh, live, like with a link instead of you know sharing your screen. Um, which I just thought was an awesome kind of habit for designers to get into is sometimes your website's not going to work. And so having things <laughs> in some other type of format, like a keynote or a PDF or something is a great tool. So um, was that kind of something General Assembly had you do, or was that something you picked up on your own? It's something I definitely picked up on my own. It's like kind of, you know, like strategy thinking, okay, now I'm, I'm, I'm stuck in a situation. Do I go to plan A or plan B, right? Uh, I remember I was like, oh my God, why is it not going um, as, as expected? And then I had to like, I remember keynote features about, you know, like as if it's a live stream, like a presentation, like a live stream. And I was like, I hope this works. Um, I know because financial industries, which was Prudential, had a lot like of security on it. So it might have yeah. not helped me share or, you know, share those, just the link that you can open. Uh, and I'm glad it worked because sometimes we're stuck in situations where you need to decide on the spot and your decision has to be very logical. So I'm glad yeah. that kind of that, that portrayed that on that day. <laughs> yeah, no, it was. And that was great. Cause I was like, oh, what are we going to do? We're stuck because you have no idea how many times that happened like working for a big financial institution, there's so many locks and <laughs> blocks on almost everything. And that's um, just something else I need to get off my chest is for you know young designers out there. Um, don't send like a Google like a uh, link for like a Google drive link. Um, especially if you're applying for like a bank job, um, they won't be able to open it. Um, so if your portfolio okay. is in, <laughs> in something like Google drive or like a, a Dropbox link, um, don't send it because no one will be able to open it. So um, that's a really good point you bring up. <laughs> um, perfect. And so I also saw you did the IBM design sync, uh, syncing, the design thinking certificate. Um, how was that? Was that worth the time and investment? Yep. So during COVID, they made their courses, they're usually $500 to more um, mm-hmm. for free to help designers oh, okay. kind of um, grow in their field and help get them jobs a lot of times uh, that time in COVID a lot of people got laid off and so as an initiative IBM started doing these courses to help designers get back on their feet and be able to apply for jobs Uh, and IBM is actually very leading in design thinking they have a lot of research published about how design thinking increased revenue and helped other enterprise companies that um, deprioritize research you know 
uh, and prioritize them and like kind of a good comparison between them. Um, and I wanted to kind of get that IBM stamp, you know, on my mm-hmm. portfolio and resume. And it was very beneficial. I actually printed, there was like a lot of uh, hand, hand resources and I kind mm-hmm. of printed them for future reference. Uh, it was really beneficial because currently I work in a SaaS enterprise startup. Okay. So, which, which I actually took an IBM course for an enterprise startup. So I was able to understand that kind of environment from that course as well. Oh, that's fantastic. And, you know, huge congratulations on the new job. That's very exciting. How's, how's all that going so far? It's absolutely very exciting. Um, definitely. Yeah. I enjoy like kind of the design team and the challenges that come, you know, with working in an enterprise environment, you know, an enterprise feel definitely a, a big switch, you know, from financial fintech to kind of, mm-hmm. you know, enterprise uh, software as a service, but I've definitely enjoyed kind of working out there as well. Very cool. And so I, I believe they're located in San Francisco. So are you kind of fully remote now and remote for the future or? Yeah. So there are plans to go back to office. However, no one knows. So mm-hmm. there is no kind of any active uh, announcements that are going that telling us to kind of go to the office, especially as UX designers, we can do our job from the computer anywhere. Um, even like my developers are in Europe, you know, and, and across all kind of the globe. So it doesn't make a big difference if I go to office or not. But kind of waiting on the announcements. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. It sounds like things might go back into lockdown, but we'll see where it goes. Um, yeah, we are, I guess, remote for the foreseeable future eventually we'll be back uh, you know i at least want to go back and do some like in-person design sprints and those things but for me yeah. like remote work is wonderful i wouldn't change a thing about it <laughs> thank you I, like, I agree with you yeah, i like being home uh, where are you located are you um i actually moved um from new york to san francisco uh, oh you did oh okay yeah congrats yeah Thank you. Thank you. It was a new step towards like, you know, my career. And I, I, I kind of did that step to grow forward in, in the UX industry, in the UX field. But yeah, I definitely agree with you. Working remote is way much better and yeah. more efficient than going to office. Absolutely. Well, you moved towards where all the jobs are. I actually moved away from everything. I moved down to Savannah, Georgia. So I'm very far from any big tech roles. <laughs> but that's, uh-huh. that's They're awesome. all remote now. So that's, yeah. that's good also. Exactly. That's so cool that you're in San Francisco. Um, the last big trip I took before COVID hit, like I got back, like right, right as like the news was coming out that there was this thing out there was San Francisco and it was um, amazing. I absolutely loved it. And, yeah. It's a good thing. I didn't visit it when I was younger. Cause I don't think I ever would have come back. <laughs> it's a great city. But, um, so with all this experience now, you have a few years under your belt. Um, any advice for that young computer science major who's decided, you know, they don't want to code, they don't want to do engineering, um, they might have an interest in design, how would, what would your advice be for them to, uh, you know, start looking around? I would say advocate for yourself. Uh, this was one of the biggest thing, like, you can, like, I heard numerous times I wasn't good enough for a role, or I wasn't good enough of a designer. Um, and that's totally normal. When you're a junior designer, there's hundreds and hundreds of blockers on your road. And when there's a junior designer role available, there's too much demand. Like there's a lot of junior designers and just little um, job 
job for juniors out there. And one of the biggest thing I try to do is really network and learn from other people who are in the field, um, whether that's someone from a company that I like or someone that I see that's very educated in the field itself. And I feel like that has helped me learn and grow rapidly uh, because I took this learning and actually kind of applied it to my kind of portfolio, to my career, to my interview. All those little things really help. Um, I also took a got a mentorship and these men my mentor really have helped me excel to have kind of a guided plan on, okay, if, if one does not go well, we have two. If two does not go well, uh, we have three. And defining those lo long-term and short-term goals. This is very important for like for young designers. Short-term, what do you want to do? Do you want to just get your foot in the door or do you just want to work for a big corporation? Um, do you want to work for a startup or do you want to work for something that has your values? Um, and kind of deciding that like it's, that, that there's imposter syndrome that comes um, with junior designers specifically trying to just get their foot in the door and um, getting over that is the first step to actually getting that job. Right on. And that, that imposter syndrome, that, the, that doesn't go away. It's, uh, it's ever present for everyone, no matter you're a junior, senior, um, or you know, super professional. Um, there's a guy, I, I took a course from Joe Natoli, and he's been teaching UX design for like, I don't know, uh, 20 years or more, long, long time. But he, I was, I follow him on LinkedIn and he just wrote this big, long thing about, you know, imposter syndrome doesn't go away. Like he still gets it every time he has to give like a keynote speech at like, you know, in front of thousands of people, he says he still has it, which, um, so it's just something you got to work past. Um, and that's very cool that you kind of did all that work outside of, you know, first off your college education and then general assembly. That's uh, just fantastic. And so you said you had a mentor. Is that somebody you found through an organization or just somebody you found kind of on your own? So I would attend uh, New York City UXPA meetings, which is the UX chapter oh, nice. in New York City. Mm -hmm. um, and I actually found a potential mentor and we approached each other and, and we saw some benef benefits from us being kind of mentor-mentee relationship. And we started having these sessions. They were kind of like, even before I got my role at Prudential, they really helped structure me because I was speaking to someone that I, I thought really greatly of and I wanted to be um, kind of on their path. They helped me kind of structure um, my job hunt, structure what I want long-term, what I want short-term. And just seeing that, you would think, oh, wow, job, job hunting is not as bad as it seems. It's much more clear when you have a plan when you have one two three to follow um and and having that really have helped me and now there's a whole ass website called adp.list or adp.org that helps kind of mentors and mentee kind of connect whether that's temporarily or it could be long periods of time and i think that initiative is very amazing for young designers because they're able to learn from big people at fan companies or just from big people who work at startups, people who have taught UX or people who are actually have been in the field more than 20 years. Um, so it's something very important for like junior designers to kind of um, know is that you don't know anything and that's okay. Because uh, yeah. I think one of the biggest issues is that when we interview, we don't say, I don't know. We usually try to make sure that we know everything and mm -hmm. we're not as young as we seem, you know, we're not as like immature or uh, not design experience as we seem. And, and, and just if you, if you go to these kind of mentorships, you know, you learn that it's okay not to know things. Even senior designers don't know everything. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. And so did, did I see that you are now 
a mentor at ADP List? Yes, I am. Uh, I was actually getting mentored before at ADP, ADP List, which is kind of funny, ironic. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, tables have turned, I guess. Um, I took every kind of advice I got from ADP mm-hmm. List and kind of enhanced my portfolio. Um, and all the advices that I got from there was very beneficial and helped me stand on my feet. Uh, I never took feedback as something that's so negative, even though people have different ways of giving yeah. feedback. Some are like um, cushioned and sandwich. Some are just like very hard. Um, I always thought about feedback as something that's going to make me better. It's something that we don't, we're not privileged to always get. Uh, and if, if we, we're, we're lucky to get that feedback, we should use it and see if it's subjective or objective and apply it. Um, and that's how I kind of, you know, had a lot of sessions on ADP list until I made, I got my portfolio into a, a matter of like, oh, I don't hate it anymore. I'm okay with it. It's not the best, but I'm okay with it. Uh, yeah. And I feel like that has helped me a lot in my job search. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. And I'm, I need a mentor now for uh, <laughs> podcasting and YouTubing and all that stuff. So I understand that getting a mentor is a fantastic thing to have. I've been mentoring students with Springboard. Um, which has been really good. And I think it's oh, um, amazing, super beneficial. And I haven't tried ADP list yet though. So I'll have to look into that. I, I really like that. And I've seen a few people that I am work with um, starting to do it. And I just think it's a fantastic idea. I think you should. It's definitely was. Yeah. Well, you are definitely making the most out of a, <laughs> you know, a very short career so far. That's, you know, awesome stuff. But um, who's, you know, been your biggest inspiration through all this or who or what? has been your biggest inspiration? That's actually a good question. I, uh, I think my mother uh, coming here, you know, it's just like very difficult, you know, she believed in me and kind of like having all these switches and all of, all of these indecisiveness. And I feel, oh, I have to have something, you know, I have to prove something. I have to prove something for myself and I have to prove something for her. Uh, I guess it was the biggest inspiration. Sometimes they usually tell you, um, when you get a bully at school or a bully uh, when you're younger, you always want to try to work harder to prove them wrong. Mm-hmm. And that actually comes with great benefits because you're working so hard on yourself that you really forgot the main reason that you're working, you know, um, for the, for that, for that, to prove someone wrong. Uh, it, it's not the same kind of concept, but it's definitely has helped me or inspired me in days where I wasn't like having enough energy to just look at the screen to kind of keep looking and keep pushing um, and push to the max, basically, and, and always, as I say, failing forward. I, I failed a lot, but I failed and I got up and learned from that failure, um, and it helped me a lot. Like, I can't, I can't say, like, success is something that's linear. It's, it's, it's the more I fail often, the more I feel like success is nearer. Done. Yes, fail early, fail often, fail forward. Is that what they say? Something along those yeah. lines. Yeah, I love that saying. But um, so... You obviously, you go out and <laughs> you learn a lot on your own, which is awesome. Uh, what are you going to learn next? Right. Uh, I'm, I'm looking into learning about accessibility and AI. So these are two okay. things that I feel I lack as a designer. Mm-hmm. Uh, not every designer advocates for accessibility. That's because a lot of companies just hire external uh, third-party agencies to deal with accessibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I feel it's very important for us to deal with accessibility and advocate for it. I recently actually broke my leg recently and I, I, I had the worst kind of, um, you know, healing process and only a person who designed a product and knee scooter um, mm-hmm. rather than clutches and, and kept me thinking in terms of design 
um, the knee scooter helped me move faster and more efficient rather than clutches. And I was like, where, what is there? Someone that sat there and thought about, oh, let's create a scooter that will help people who can't use their leg move more efficient as if they had their leg. And maybe that's not the same concept as it's digitally, but if that's someone who advocated for something else. And I feel as designers, we're obligated to advocate for people who are, who are, who are need of our help, you know? Um, and so that's why I want to grow kind of my field and knowledge and accessibility. There's a lot of things that I do not know. I can basically mm -hmm. just scratch the surface. Um, and I wish actually organization would teach their designers also about the importance of accessibility, what's coming up next, uh, and how we can prioritize it, not just because of legal issues, but just because of morals. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great answer. That's, I think it's a, an area where all of us could evolve and learn. I know myself, um, I'm always kind of running to Google whenever I have a question. So learning mm -hmm. these things would be uh, ideal. Um, and so what else is on the horizon for you? Uh, artificial intelligence, definitely. Yeah. Um, I actually, since I moved to San Francisco, everything has been operated by, a by AIs, whereas it cars, drones, robots, waiters, uh, <laughs> food, uh, you name it. Um, and I was like, wow, this is a field that is very booming right now. And we know little about it. It's going to be the next thing in a couple of years. Um, and just getting on it early will help me, you know, have that competitive advantage from among other designers. I think it's, I'm always in the search for what is my competitive advantage. I always ask myself that question. What value am I bringing that other designers cannot bring? Because there's definitely a lot of designers out there right now. Um, and everyone has to have their kind of special touch and special value to be seen. Um, rather, you know, just like not knowing it's always, they always tell you, you need to know someone at some company so they can, you can be seen. But I feel it's more like, what's your competitive advantage and value that you can add um, that will, will help you be seen? Oh, that's fantastic. Competitive value. I, I love that. Um, and so where can people go to connect with you? Oh, definitely. I, I have LinkedIn, my name, mm -hmm. my first name, and my last name. Um, I'm definitely approachable on LinkedIn. I actually created a UX Instagram page and that's just to share kind of learnings um, as a junior designer in general. So also it's UX underscore Miriam. Uh, nice. But yeah. Yep. Oh, fantastic. Okay. Um, well, that's perfect. And if somebody wanted to be mentored by you on ADP list, could they go to ADP list and request you? Is that possible? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I also linked uh, the ADP list in my UX Instagram. So definitely they can click the link and just be redirected to book with me directly there. Oh, that's super cool. Okay, absolutely. And I will include all of these links in the show notes and all those, and I will um, make sure to connect with you on uh, Instagram myself. Um, thank you so much, Miriam, for joining me and doing this tonight. I really, I can't appreciate it enough. It's great to see you again. And I'm really glad to see that you've uh, found a great uh, position for yourself. So thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And that's the show, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. I will be releasing a show about every other week or so. If you'd like to be a friend to the show, leaving a review or a comment on Apple would be uh, very much appreciated. Share a link to the show with your friends or anyone else you might know who is interested in UX design. Uh, feel free to recommend topics uh, you'd like to hear discussed. And if you have any questions about design, uh, design careers, or anything else for that matter, you can DM me on my Instagram at userflowspod. If you'd really like to help me out, you can visit thomasmorell.com survey. 
to let me know what you'd like to learn on this show or hear more or less of. So thank you. I appreciate you listening and uh, let's go create something.